0: I got a beautiful question about the healing power of being witnessed. What is that all about? Where does it come from? I think we've probably all noticed the difference it can make when we are going through something and someone can hold space for us and we're just allowed to share what's going on without immediately being drawn into a conversation of how to make it better, how to fix it. But why is that? In our dominant culture, we rush towards making the uncomfortable go away and we're taught that taking action is the thing that's needed to make things better. So that there would be healing power in just being witnessed goes against all that. So in this episode, I'm going to dive into why being witnessed is such an incredibly nourishing, life-affirming and healing experience. Let's go welcome to soul whispers the official soul based coaching podcast where we are inspiring conversations about new paradigm coaching i'm your host Annemiek van helsdingen founder of the academy for soul based coaching where we've impacted the lives of thousands of coaches and clients I love sharing insights and experiences that can make us all even better coaches, healers, therapists and leaders in this time of rapid transition. You can expect new perspectives and rigorous new paradigm coaching practices, all rooted in yin-fueled wisdom. Enjoy! It is such a rich question. Where does the healing power of being witnessed come from? I'll be weaving together four strands in this conversation. Some are very practical and therapeutic, some deeply grounded, in one of the oldest goddess myths that is known to us. So you're in for a bit of a treat. Let's start with the first strand of this conversation, the sociological element. Humans are social creatures. Simply because it's very hard for us to survive outside of the group's cooperation and protection. This was true in the beginning of Mankind and it is still true today. It is hardwired in the deepest layers of our psyches. And of course it's fun. But this also means that we have a deep need to feel seen by our people. To be seen means that you're part of the group, while being shunned was a very severe punishment. Being seen as you are on messy and gorgeous days settles that deep need within, especially when it happens with respect and compassion, because of course that feels good, because they add layers of you-are-okay messaging that cement that feeling of being part of the group then a juicier strand, well, in my book, from the perspective of transformation. And for this, I'm going to share Inanna's descent with you. It's one of the, if not the, oldest goddess myths that are known to us. And this myth stems from Sumeria and is dated at around 1900 BC. But the goddess Inanna has been around much longer, since 4000 BC. This myth gives us two clear clues about the origin of the healing power of being witnessed while you are in a process of transformation, or initiation even. There are people that can tell this story much better than I can, and I'm gladly mentioning the inspiring work of one of my spiritual teachers, Shamli Yarda from Awakening Women, who set me on this path to practice with the medicine of anana many years ago. And the way to listen to this story is to really see all aspects as parts of ourselves. We are all the things, all the people. In this myth, Inanna is a powerful queen and her sister Ereshkigal rules the underworld. But her sister's husband has died and Inanna goes down to, as the script says, witness the funeral rites. When Anana descends, she has to go through seven gates on her way to the Underworld. At each gate, she needs to lay down part of her adornments and her robes. And so as she descends, she has to put down her crown that she's wearing, which is a sign of her worldly status, of course. And it goes on and on until she enters the Underworld, the realm of her sister, naked. She is stripped down to her essence. Which is exactly what we can feel like when we are in a dark night of the soul, a time of initiation, where everything that we thought we knew falls away. And what happens next for Inanna is that when she is in the underworld, Erishkigal is actually not at all pleased to see her. She is raging and furious and she gives Inanna the eye of death. And then she hangs her body on a meat hook to rot, to be composted. And as gruesome as this may sound, do hear me out, because this is the level where our fairy tales come from, too. There's a deep archetypical wisdom in these stories. So what happens when Inanna's corpse is on the meat hook is that her loyal servant, Ninshubur, notices that she isn't coming back and asks the sky gods for help as instructed by Anana, The sky gods then send two creatures, to Gala, two beings, that go down into the underworld to help her. The Gala go and sit with Ereshkigal, her sister. And all that they do is grieve with her. They mirror what she's doing. So when Ereshkigal is like, oh, my belly hurts, they'll go, oh, Ereshkigal, your belly hurts and so on, and so on, with compassion. But they're not fixing, they're not changing anything. It's not their job to change anything, not their role. But they were witnessing her in her pain, and Erishkagan knows that she's not alone in that process of grieving the death of her husband. And in the poem it says that it's like watching the pain of labor. She becomes whole again in a new way. And when she does, she's grateful and offers the gala whatever gift they wish for. And they ask for that rotting corpse. And erishkigal gladly offers it. And they then bring back Inanna to life. Inanna leaves the underworld, although someone will have to take her place. And when she surfaces to her own realm again, her queendom... Of course, she's not the same and she looks at what she sees there and one of the things is her partner, her king, and how he has partied and amused himself with all sorts of women during the time that she was gone, instead of grieving her. And she sees him for who he truly is and always was before and she's able to make new decisions based on her deeper wisdom. She knows he has to go. This process of initiation, transformation, was made possible by the beings that witnessed with compassion. They were in the room as Ereshkigal birthed the new evolution of herself. They were a companion, they were a mirror, they were a compassion. And I'd say, in all my wisdom, that they even made that transformation possible because before Ereshkigal could only rage and lash out, she could only do her way of dealing with pain. But in relationship with the gala, she could become present to herself and her own pain. And by being with that, she found her way through that. So the witnessing forms the riverbed for our clients to process their stuff in ways that they could not do by themselves. Life provides discomfort and really challenging trials and tribulations for people and as healers, as coaches, as helpers, as therapists, it's not our job to take people off that hook. It's our job to help them navigate that initiation because it is an initiation. It is a portal into a new way of being. It is an essential, vital part of life. And we've all been there and these are processes of unfolding it can't be fixed you can't do it for your clients and your client can't will power their way through life is inviting the client through a process of initiation or transformation it is a path that each of us can only walk by ourselves and we are greatly helped by being witnessed in this compassionate way And that brings me to the third strand in this conversation, and that is all about guilt and shame. Because so often when we go through our own stuff, there's a lot of shame and guilt surrounding that, and especially the shame. It's like a layer that we're so familiar with that we don't even notice it's there anymore. But when I tap into what that feels like for me, it is like a layer that is right around my body. It's like literally hugging my body. And that can feel like nothing that's inside of that body should come out when it comes to this thing that I feel shame around. And that is limiting. And it means that when shame hugs you, and we all have this, we often don't even notice it because we're so familiar with it. It's where we're afraid that if these things come out, that they're going to have repercussions about our place in our relationships or our place in a group. Sometimes it can feel like the emotional impact of it, that resonance, it can feel like we would not survive if that truth came out. Remember the importance of being part of the group that we talked about in the first part of the episode. And Sometimes it's just that we don't want to hurt other people, that we don't want to make them look bad. There are so many reasons why shame tries to keep our mucky stuff inside of us, and that's not healthy, but it is essential for that shame to survive because shame can start to dissolve when it's exposed to light, when it's shared, when there are spaces when we feel safe, where it's okay to share what is underneath the shame. And so when we as healers, coaches, therapists can create spaces that feel safe enough to share everything, the beautiful, the ugly, the shameful, the exciting, the elated, the curious, the innocent, the very sexy, whatever the parts are, when we can create a space when everything is welcome and everything, everything is met in the same way, with respect, curiosity and a wanting to know what it is that the clients want to have happen with it, then that is an incredibly freeing experience. Shame starts to loosen its grip and there is more space to breathe and explore who we truly are without that story that was carefully curated by our shame. And then the very last strand in this healing power of being witnessed, that is the healing power of beating the drum. and. That comes from the Inanna myth, again, the descent into the underworld. Because when she goes down, she's a queen, but she's also a high priestess. And so when she starts her descent, the other priestesses stand along the path towards the underworld until the first gate, of course, where they can't accompany her anymore. And what they do is that they beat the drum all the while while Inanna is in the underworld. All the time that she's there on the meat hook. And through all of this, The sound of the drum tells her that she is not forgotten. There is a part of the normal world that is waiting for her. A part of the world that knows that she is going to come back and she is going to come back a changed person, an initiated person. And so that's another role that we have as coaches and healers and therapists is to bang the drum to be the connection between the everyday world and the deep process that's going on for our clients just by us being there i think of this i experience this as if these priestesses are providing a heartbeat a rhythm of life life has not forsaken enana Life is still very much here for her while she is on her own initiation journey. It is an anchor throughout the whole process. And when you hold space for your client, when you are being present and you witness your client, just your heartbeat, your breath is beating the drum. Your presence. And so the healing power of being witnessed lies in being seen and recognized, being affirmed that you're here that you're a part of our collective and therefore you matter. It lies in beating the drum. It lies in, in mirroring what's happening with compassion without taking on a role that isn't ours. And it lies in creating spaces where shame can dissolve. And so remember that all of these things are just about witnessing, about holding space. And they're not about fixing, solving or changing anything for our client. That process of initiation, that process of their inner work, that is where the deep changes are going to come from. So our job is to create the riverbed and to create an effective riverbed that is going to help that process unfold in the way that it needs to. And in soul-based coaching, we can actually do that in a way that doesn't add more meat-hook energy, but that brings our clients delight and wonder while they are in that deep process of unfolding. Now, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is such a beautiful, beautiful topic. And if you want to learn how to do this, then come and join us. Our next cohort in the Certified Soul-Based Coach program, Invoke Your Client's Magic, starts in June. And you're very welcome to come and check out if this is what you have been looking for too. I hope this episode has inspired you to start thinking about what you do to support yourself and the people around you, be that your clients or the people that you love or work with. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and colleagues and please consider leaving us a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. It really helps to get the podcast to the right people.